Hey, I'm Will. Welcome to the Daily Reflection Podcast. I don't think I realized I was at risk of actual death until months actually going through the work. But I did see that I was at risk of a seriously miserable life and a worse life than I was living. AA is like, has totally changed my life for the better. I would just say get with someone who's gone through the steps and who looks lit up. Whether you have alcoholism or addiction, it works for the same underlying cause, which is that restless and irritable feeling, sober, and it'll solve the sobriety problem. Welcome to the Daily Reflection Podcast with your hosts, Michael L. and Lee M. On this show, we try to bring inspiration for those people seeking sobriety through interviews with members of the recovery community sharing their experience, strength, and hope through the lens of the Daily Reflections book, Each day, a new inspirational passage and a conversation. We are not affiliated with any 12-step or recovery program, but you will hear them mentioned throughout the course of an interview. Today on the show, Will from Baltimore, Maryland. Before we get to the show, I'd like to ask for your help. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, I'd love to get a review or rating. It's going to help us expand the reach of the show and improve. We hope you enjoy this episode. Good morning, Lee. How are you? Good morning, Mike. I'm doing great. How are you? Fantastic. What's in store for us today? So today we have Will H. from Baltimore, Maryland in the studio with us. It's April 15th, and he is here to talk to us about today's daily reflection, the bondage of resentment. Oh, fantastic. Well, Will, welcome to the podcast. It's great to have you on the show. Thank you. So, Will, we start the show in the same way. We have the guest read the daily reflection of the day. Can you get us started? Yes, absolutely. So the daily reflection for April 15th is the bondage of resentments. Harboring resentment is infinitely grave, for then we shut ourselves off from the sunlight of the spirit. That's from As Bill Sees It, page five. It has been said, anger is a luxury I cannot afford. Does this suggest I ignore this human emotion? I believe not. Before I learned of the AA program, I was a slave to the behavior patterns of alcoholism. I was chained to negativity with no hope of cutting loose. The steps offered me an alternative. Step four was the beginning of the end of my bondage. The process of letting go started with an inventory. I needed not be frightened, for the previous steps assured me I was not alone. My higher power led me to this door and gave me the choice, the gift of choice. Today, I can choose to open the door to freedom and rejoice in the sunlight of the steps as they cleanse the spirit within me. That's beautiful. I love it when they basically tell us that, you know, essentially resentment is infinitely grave. Like, I don't think they mince words about that. Will, what are your thoughts on resentment in particular, you know, before you got into the rooms? What was, what was that like for you? Yeah. So that was, uh, when I came into the rooms, it was a pretty antiquated word, uh, that I thought they should use something else like hate or spite, or really what it's become more I think common in my daily life today is like agitation or just being slightly PO'd at someone, uh, which is something that can kind of stick in my mind, you know, consistently and kind of last. Whereas this like business of these deep resentments and deep hatred, really, I didn't feel like existed in me when I came to AA and, and really don't frequently today. But what I, where I do see resentment in my current life is anyone that's acting in a way other than how I think they should be acting. And often that will look like me kind of harboring, you know, this in my mind and kind of stewing on it and and thinking about it. And it's very clear that this kind of thinking shuts me off from the, they call the sunlight of the spirit here, you know, whether that's God's power or 
you know, the way of the universe or whatever, like power that you're connected to. I'm not God conscious when I'm thinking about someone else and how they've wronged me, which I think is sort of what this, with this reading starts off talking about is being shut off from the sunlight of the spirit. And that's what it talks about in the book too. So I, I love the phrase sunlight of the spirit. It's a, it's a great set of words and it makes me think of my higher power. Um, and I'm curious about yours. Did you have a problem coming to, a, a, you know, developing your concept of a higher power when you first came in? Uh, yes. And then, and then like at a, at a certain point immediately, no. Um, so my experience in the couple years before I was brought by this power to AA was like consisted of almost like an obsessive, um, anti-God, definitely anti-organized religion and anti you know, any sort of otherworldly power, like this, this idea that was constantly in my head for whatever reason. Um, and then as soon as I came to AA, um, I literally had um, the, the line in my book underlined for when I was bringing it to my sponsor, we would go through a chapter by chapter. And the line that says, we laid aside prejudice, even, even against organized religion. And I had, a, I had that underlined with a big question mark because that was that idea and that and God were so intertwined with each other. As I'm continuing to read that chapter and it's saying it's the chapter, we agnostics is pretty much saying, you don't have to believe in the same God that you were brought up with, or you don't have to even call it God. And it doesn't have to be a he and, and making it as broad as possible. But the, these were the ideas that like kept me out of any sort of spiritual experience that wasn't related to drugs or alcohol before coming in. And then as I'm going through those first couple chapters and for the first time ever learning what I actually suffer from, like learning what alcoholism actually is, it's that it's not just the fact that I can't control my liquor or that I'm you know going a little harder than some of my friends are here and there and um, some of my behavior, but it's actually everything else. Like leaving aside the drink question, I can't keep myself satisfied in any area of my life. That's with personal relationships financially, um, how I feel about myself, how I feel about others, uh, the workplace, like all of these things that, that alcohol isn't always touching. Like alcohol had been intertwined with those things. Um, but once I realized like this is a deeper problem, this is something that's pretty close to the soul level of me, alcoholism. I became really willing to be just to look at the God idea um, and try to at least seek to figure out what that might be. Um, I didn't have much of a, a concept of what it was. Like we made it pretty clear, uh, my sponsor, that we're not going to try to define this thing. We're just going to try to experience it um, by taking the rest of the steps. And I was kind of convinced within those first couple of chapters when we were kind of talking about step one that I have a big issue, a much bigger one than I realized. And uh, yes, I have tried everything in my own power, whether that's counselors or therapists or just not picking it up. And those haven't worked. Like the question was asked, have those things worked? And if they did, why don't you, why aren't you still using them? It's because they didn't. And because alcohol didn't work at the end in treating that feeling inside of I'm not good enough, or I don't have enough or whatever it was that I tried to fill on the outside. So I think there was kind of a two-part question. So, you know, I, I was not willing in my life. And then once I realized that I needed to be or else I could die, I was immediately willing. And, and that some of that prejudice fell away. And my idea of, of God today, I think is changing on a, it's frequently changing and I still don't try to define it. And I'm still just trying to experience it. I'm just curious. Uh, first of all, what is your sobriety date? It's September 2nd, 2019. Okay. So about a year and a half ago. 
how readily did you accept the fact that you would die if you drank again? Cause you said that just now, like, Oh, once I realized I would die, then I was willing to look at the God thing. So I'm wondering how, how easy was it for you to recognize that you had a serious problem in August of that year. So before September, I had my last drink of alcohol and this was a very sudden deal. Like this wasn't like this slow realization of, Oh my God, I have this problem and I should really get help. And I'm constantly going back or I'm going in and out of the rooms of AA. It was on one day in the middle of August, I woke up and realized that, oh my God, this problem is so much bigger than, than I thought. And then I don't think I realized I was at risk of serious, of actual death until months actually going through the work. But I did see that I was at risk of a seriously miserable life and a worse life than I was living if I didn't treat this underlying condition. But I was sitting in a meeting. This gentleman in Baltimore was the speaker for this group. And it was a speaker topic meeting. So he went for about 15, 20 minutes. And then he posed the question that was the topic of, if I drink, do I think I will die? And I was just like, ah, I don't know. You know, like as a man recently told me when we're talking about this, I was going through the book with him and he's like, well, I haven't died yet. And that was my attitude. It's like, well, it hasn't killed me yet. So if I extrapolate this into the future, no, it's not going to kill me. And people are going around the room and they're sharing these you know, actual near-death experiences with alcohol, which like I had been, I'd only gone to the hospital once and it was for a night. It was never for like a long period of time. This is what I'm telling myself in my mind. Uh, Most like normal drinkers aren't going to the hospital at all. And I was also putting myself in dangerous situations where I could die. And I was also just like able to take a step back in that night, in that moment and look at the way that it had been progressing. Look at the situations I've been putting myself in and looking at the level of, you know, of use that I was, that, that I was bringing in. And I, I, I kind of became convinced like within that night of just like a little bit of thought, but beforehand, like before I really had this concept of what spiritual meant or spirituality, I knew that I would continue to be dead spiritually if I didn't treat this thing, which it's kind of like, what's the point of living if I'm not really living? Yeah. That's such an important concept. And you know, when you, when you're faced with death, it's so much easier to do some of the difficult things that, that we're asked to do. Right. So how long did it take you to get into the, into the steps of recovery and start to work the program? Uh, about uh, two months from when I started coming to 26 years total. I mm-hmm. came, came to A when I was like 19, uh, but, but, you know, it was 26 when it's, it's stuck this time around. But I came into A that September and I started the early like August and I started working the steps in October. But that's only because God is that real. Not because I came in and I was hunting around for a sponsor for two months and I was looking for, you know, I was dying to do the steps. Um, I came in because I, I woke up that day and made a couple of phone calls to some friends that connected me with people in AA. And I knew I was seriously screwed and I knew the drinking thing wasn't working. Um, so I was going to a couple meetings a week, if that sometimes one, you know, but more, my stuff was my priority more. I was, you know, traveling and going to concerts and hanging out with my friends and um, AA was not like top priority. So I ended up in this, uh, in this, this basement and my sponsor approached me and asked me if I wanted to go through the steps or if I at least wanted to look at the book. I don't think he brought up the steps. He said, you want to grab a cup of coffee and, and talk about what this could look like? And he did. He qualified me for like over an hour. Uh, that was a Thursday, like uh, on the Saturday following, um, just to see if I actually had alcoholism. Like we were able to get to that pretty clearly, you know, by, he asked me those two questions on page 44, like if, when you try to stop, are you able to? And when you stopped, can you stay stopped? I think I just butchered that, but, um, 
you know, can you, once you, once you start drinking, are you able to control how much you drink? And you know, that, that sort of showed that I had the mental obsession and the, the physical compulsion, you know, once I start, I can't stop. And then I got into the work relatively quickly. Like we would meet, you know, quickly, I guess, based on what I thought I needed, but I didn't know a thing. So we would meet once a week or sometimes twice a week and go through the book kind of chapter by chapter. And then when it, you know, we, we did a fourth step and, you know, wrote that over maybe three weeks and then did a fifth step in one day. And I went back into six and seven and up until this point, like the most impressive experience I had was in step one of learning. Like the, it was like a sheet was pulled off my whole life and it was like presenting what's going on. He was like, this is what some people call the aha moment or the oh shit moment, you know, of step one of realizing really what the truth is. And then after that, he was like, all right, it's time to make amends. And that's what we started doing in January of last year. After making a couple, I started to have a serious experience. First, I saw my parents and then the woman I was dating at the time. Um, And then I spent the rest of, until now, traveling around the United States so far, almost every state on the East Coast and um, a handful out West, trying to see, well, seeing people that are willing to see me. And that is the most powerful experience I've had next to working with others, like through going through the steps, um, which is sort of what was just necessary, like in my heart to do of trying to find people that give the same experience to not giving it for me, but at least introducing them to it. This is possible. Your life can change. My attitudes were changing. My like, like all the promises in the book were coming true. Once step nine started to roll and I was starting to see myself like not as just myself as like God's guy like that was just, that could be guided and could be led and like starting to come close to the idea that like, I don't know what's best for me. And I don't even know what I want, but God has so taken care of me just from, and just seeing it from before coming into A and before actually being willing to seek this thing, like from literally putting the idea in my head in that August, you know, before coming into A to pick up the phone and call someone to, to introducing him to my sponsor and keeping me protected in different, you know, different areas before then. I think it's kind of a long winded answer to your question of, of uh, did I, did I come in and, and want to work them quickly or, or whatever? Sounds like you were willing to work them quickly enough. That's for sure. Um, Mike, did you look up the two questions in the big book? Yeah, sure. You want to read them? Sure. So it's on page 44. Like Will said, it's in We Agnostics chapter four, and it starts out. I'll read the paragraph. In the preceding chapters, you have learned something about alcoholism. We hope we have made clear the distinction between the alcoholic and the non-alcoholic. And here are the questions. If, when you honestly want to, you find you cannot quit entirely, or if when drinking, you have little control over the amount you take, you are probably alcoholic. If that be the case, you may be suffering from an illness, which only a spiritual experience will conquer. Thanks for reading that. And I, I can hear it. And, um, we're on Zoom. I know that our audience can only hear us um, through the podcast apps, but um, but I can see it um, that you've had a massive um, change, a spiritual awakening, and a spiritual change. And um, I love seeing it because it gives me just more reinforcement, more faith that this thing really does work if we apply ourselves to it. And you clearly have, as only the dying can do. And um, so I'm wondering because you're young, you know, I, I don't know, I'm doing the math. I'm thinking 27, 28 ish. I don't know, somewhere around there. What has had to change for you? Cause you know, you got out of college, you got the job. And so what has had to change for you? That's a great question. So yeah, I'm 27 now. I can count on like one hand, the amount of people that I was like running with and hanging out with before that are sober now. A ton of my friends are sober now, you know, 
you can definitely count on more than one hand that, but like that's after coming into AA. So it was definitely, I mean, it's a completely different lifestyle than what I was living before. However, I'm doing a lot of the same things. Um, like I, I just, I'm still, you know, pretty good friends with a lot of the people that I used to hang out with. I'm just not using the same substances as they are anymore. So I just spent a week out in Colorado trying to make a handful of amends to some people out there. That was where I lived before moving back to Baltimore. I was living out there like two or three months before getting sober. I moved to Baltimore like in July and then started coming in in August and um, was living out there in May. I mean, I, I still get to do all the stuff I was doing before and I'm having, I think, more fun. I know more fun now doing it. And I've gotten the question like, is this weird? Like hanging out at a, and granted, I'm not hanging out at, at a ton of bars, but like here and there, you know, when I'm visiting friends or, you know, that that's really the only time. And, and I'm really not like, I'm, I'm way less restless um, than I was before. And I'm able to connect with people a lot better than I could before. Um, whereas like, it was necessary for me to have some booze in my system to get a conversation going. And, and that worked perfectly for like a long time, like up through the college years. And, and it kind of started to dwindle a little bit after, uh, but uh, which is why I was a little bit more willing to give it up. It's like when people were talking about, you know, this wasn't working anymore. I, I didn't, I didn't understand that. It, you know, like I was just imagining them drinking booze and it was having like the effect of water. Like it wasn't working at all, but I, I get that now. Like it wasn't do, it wasn't giving me the same oomph, the same, you know, same thing I was paying for the couple of years before. Um, it's a long winded way of saying my life is, my lifestyle is, is completely different. I spend a lot more time in, church basements uh than i than i do in bars and i spend a lot more time with my family now um which has been just awesome that that wasn't the this that wasn't really on the schedule just before i got sober and before i got a connection with god so it's a lot of the same and it's a lot different so i'm curious though you know a lot of people that are dipping their toe in the in the water maybe checking out recovery what it's all about uh maybe they have this fear about you know losing their friends uh, i'm curious if you had to change your friends and and also are you able to be around social situations where alcohol is served? So that was the fear in the beginning. That's why I absolutely would not, could not, and didn't get sober while I was in college is I had this idea that like, if I get sober, people are going to think I am a huge loser, which was, I mean, that's, that wasn't the case, uh, you know, a year and a half ago. And I don't believe it would, would have been the case then, but I would, I would have been dead, but more so it was like, I needed that. I, that was the only thing holding me together. There was some, some heavy stuff going on in my life from a negative standpoint. And, uh, but I needed alcohol. That wasn't gonna, I wasn't gonna give that up. And when I first came into a before going through the steps, I did cancel some plans and I was thinking, you know, Oh my God, I'm never gonna be able to go to a concert again. And no, I mean, since like having an experience in the steps, it's replaced the need for relief that I got from drinking. I've made a ton of friends like in AA, like I've with the people that are, that are lit up. I mean, there's like, you, I haven't been able to find that anywhere else. Um, besides like when I was in the bar, there were people lit up there in a different way. And this is a, it's a much more sustainable, like brightness in someone's soul that I want to, I want to hang out with those guys. So I've kept a lot of the same, the same friends from the past though. Um, and some of them I've even been able to carry the message too. It's been a cool chapter in life to like, be able to step onto this side and actually like, be changed and then still get to keep the best parts of, of both. That's uh, that's so great to hear. And, and so motivating, you know, I, I'm sure you just helped a lot of people with that because that's such a big fear, you know, that, that it's almost like um, what I'm hearing you say is that you've, 
decided to do these things. Like nobody forced you. There wasn't a rule where when you walked into AA, you had to get rid of all your friends. Like you've, you've made an authentic choice on all the things that you're doing in your life in in an easy fashion for you. Would you agree with that? No, I I wanted to keep spending time with the people that, that I love. I forgot to answer Mike's uh, second question about like, do I try to, about being in situations where there's alcohol? The answer is like, no way. Because I, so many of my favorite like things I wouldn't be able to do if I were not to be able to go where alcohol is served. And I've heard stuff like that. Like, you know, people don't go to sporting events or, and that's like fine. Like I, that's how I felt within those first couple months before having an experience, but like going to see live music is one of the, my favorite things to do. And we haven't been able to do that for the last year or so, but I can actually be there for these shows now. Like I can, I can enjoy myself for, you know, a couple nights in a row going to these concerts while there's, you know, whatever flying all around. I'm really not tempted to use it. That's been, that was removed. Like while we were first going through the steps, it wasn't, I don't know when, um, uh, but like maybe within those first couple chapters, because that's when I was leaving the Starbucks in Baltimore with my mind, just like exploding. of just like, Oh my God, what are we, what is he talking about? How does he know all this stuff that's in this book? You know? And Is there anything else you want to share with the audience before we wrap? It is like, has totally changed my life for the better. And I was having a conversation with my mom today at lunch and I forget how we got on it. I think we were talking about working with others and she was asking me what my experience has been with some people. Has there been an experience that's similar, identical to mine? And there, there hasn't been, there hasn't been an experience that's identical to mine. I don't think anyone's experience is identical. Like I think the, this process is designed to give you an authentic and, and completely unique experience on your own by following the same directives. But there is an experience out there for sure. If you are willing, looking back over the last year and a half, um, it, it seems like a small price to pay, like seeing the biggest, the biggest part of this deal has been, um, and you know, time-wise, um, and, and, you know, quote unquote cost has been like traveling to see these people that I've caused harm to. And to be placed in the position that I am now in terms of like how, low the chatter can often be in my mind. And that's not on a daily basis or all the time. Like, you know, I'm still like, we read, we just read a reading about resentments popping in and, and being chained to this negative behavior and negative thinking. And those, and those can definitely still kind of pop in, but like for the, the life I get to experience without having all of the stuff that I thought I needed to have the price to be paid, the, you know, quote unquote, destruction of self-centeredness, which is the truth. Um, it, it seemed like a small one to pay for the, for this life. So I, I would just say, get with someone who's gone through the steps and who looks lit up uh, out of the big book, uh, whether you have alcoholism or uh, addiction, it works for the same underlying cause, which is that restless and irritable feeling sober. Um, and it'll solve the sobriety problem. That's great. Well, thank you so much. That's such great advice uh, for newcomers. And we just want to say thank you so much for stepping up and doing the service. We really appreciate it. I loved hearing your story and we'd love to have you come back. Yeah. Thank you guys for having me. I had a lot of fun. Fantastic. Well, thanks. Thanks once again. Thanks so much for listening. If you want to find us online, you can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash groups slash daily reflection podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Daily Reflector. You can read stories of recovery from our community at blog.dailyreflectionpodcast.com. Please don't forget to give us a rating on your podcast app. We greatly appreciate it. Have a great day.